everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. I bet you didn't miss that last week was the 118th session of Congress. It was all over the news, but I bet one thing you didn't know was that we have advocates right from this industry working very hard to secure the supply chain here in the United States. One of those people is David Schild, who's Executive Director of PCB. AA, Printed Circuit Board Association of America. David is my guest today, and he's going to talk about the activities and how they're working to create a safe, reliable, and affordable supply chain for us here in the U.S. It's not just about the CHIPS Act. We also need to think about Printed Circuit Board. And as PCBAA always says, chips don't float. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation and learning more about how these efforts will help you get your hardware products to market. He's also going to talk about how to become involved, so make sure you check out the show notes. Thanks for joining. Now let's jump into our conversation with David Shield of PCBAA. Hi, David. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited about our conversation to learn more about PCBAA. Thanks for having me, Judy. Well, I've been seeing lots about PCBAA, and I know some of my industry colleagues and friends have been posting about you uh, on LinkedIn and on social media. And I know there's been a lot of activity around PCBAA. And so I wanted to introduce you to our audience. And um, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your background, and then if you would give us a brief overview of your organization, and then sort of what your core mission is. Thanks, Judy, and thanks for the opportunity to be here and talk about the work that we're doing in Washington on behalf of printed circuit board manufacturers and their critical material suppliers. My background is in aerospace and defense. I spent about 20 years with companies like TRW, United Technologies, and most recently Raytheon, really focused on how public policy shapes markets, creates incentives, and really directs the activities of a lot of those big technology companies. That's why I think it was a natural fit for me to take on this new role with the Print Circuit Board Association of America. Um, Some mutual friends of mine started the association just over two years ago. And really, our focus is on reshoring the manufacturing of critical microelectronics and protecting and building resilient supply chains. We've seen over the last two years the effect of dependence on foreign sourcing of microelectronics. We've seen initial very strong action from the government to correct the imbalance, the unlevel playing field that we've had for decades. And that's really what PCBAA is focused on. It recognizes that there is an entire technology stack, and we can't just invest in one part of that stack. The CHIPS Act is a great first step. It's a great initiative by government to make sure that the critical electronics that we depend on are made right here in America. But as we like to say at PCBAA, chips don't float. And we've got to make sure that the entire technology stack is protected and also invested in. I love that tagline so much, I can't even begin to tell you because over the years I've been banging this drum about how important the PCB is and it sort of doesn't get the kind of creds you know, semiconductors because of the sheer volume of them, but, you know, they don't sit in air, right? And then on top of all our supply chain issues, the speeds and everything, uh, we are sort of putting ourselves out of the board business in, in the U.S. And so great, we reshore all these chips, and then what do we put them on? 
And so I love the chips don't float. It's, it's again, near and dear to my heart, which is another reason why I wanted to talk to you. Um, so when you talk about, uh, the supply chain, as you said, obviously boards and chips are involved in that, but it seems to me there's a whole ecosystem. Like what about materials? What about metals? You know, and, and you're exactly you're exactly okay. right, Judy. You know, I, I think, and the word ecosystem is really it's a it's at the heart of our talking points. And when we go to Capitol Hill, when we go to think tanks, when we go to talk to journalists, we really have to start uh, with one of our three pillars. We talk about educating, advocating, and legislating. And the educating part really underpins everything that we do because people don't understand when they start their car, when they pick up their iPhone, when they go to start their dishwasher that that technology doesn't work. It doesn't function without a printed circuit board. Yeah, the brains of the operation are a semiconductor, right? At whatever nanometer yeah. of measurement that you want to talk about. Yeah. But those printed circuit boards are essential to what we do. And as you mentioned, boards are complex, high-tech pieces of technology. There's this phrase, you know, a, a dumb green piece of plastic that does not at all represent what our industry does, right? You're talking about a mix of resin, copper foil, woven glass, any number of specialty materials that have to be highly engineered. Someone said to me yeah, the other day, do. there's no off-the-shelf PCB. No. Almost everyone, whether it goes into a set of headphones or whether it goes into a garage door opener, is a custom board. Right. And as a result, there's just a lot of high-touch labor, a lot of intense engineering, research and development that has to go into boards. I don't think that policymakers really understand that. And they don't really understand the contraction that's happened in our industry over the last 20 years. In 2000, we had probably more than 2,000 companies in America making printed circuit boards and supplying their critical materials. That represented about 30% of the global market. Today, that number is down to less than 150 companies and only 4% of the global market. That is a really severe contraction. And to put that in context, our friends in the semiconductor business basically hit the panic button with Congress and the American public when yeah, they, they got did. to 13% of global market share. We're at 4%. So we think the time to take action has already come. Uh, and now it's up to policymakers to act. And again, you know, protect this part of the stack. Well, uh, you know, as we, we had a call a week or two ago, and I was telling you, like, I've always been my friend, Anne Marie calls them little green squares. But because I, you know, have been in PCB factories, you know, since the eighties, I know up close and personal, how complex they are, how hard they are, how many steps there are. And then when you get into advanced technology with blind and buried vias and specialty materials and back drilling and lasers. And, but I think there's an overall miss. I feel like printed circuit boards need someone to rebrand them <laughs> because <laughs> when I lived this, when when so much of this went offshore, it was like, well, that little thing can go away because, eh, you know, and then it changed the perception of circuit boards into, I would say, commodities, like little plastic things you pulled off a shelf, right? And yeah. right up there with Christmas lights or something, you know, and so, but it's not true. And so with all that background being said, of course, the Chip Act, Chips Act probably has something to do with it in real length. That void was there, but how and why, you said your friends two years ago started this, but how and why 
did at this particular moment, this organization decide it was time to start advocating at a federal level for for this reshoring effort? Well, I think, you know, what a lot of um, manufacturers realized, and we're talking about companies like Isola, Inselectro, Calumet, Summit, TTM, you know, those founding members sort of realized collectively several years ago that the federal government was already making policy when it came to PCVs. And one example is the actions of the Department of Defense, right? We already have a lot of ITAR controlled technology that goes into major defense systems. But there is a lot of commercial off-the-shelf or COTS technology that also ends up on defense platforms. We need to have assurance that that COTS technology can be trusted as much as those ITAR controlled technologies. So working through the National Defense Authorization Act a couple of years ago, Uh, Our group and others work to implement a provision that says that the DOD by 2027 has to have some assurance around that commercial off-the-shelf technology. We have to know that those boards can be trusted. We have to know that they're sourced in places that are reliable and dependable. That effort on Capitol Hill, I think, led the group collectively to understand that we needed a trade association. We needed a group to speak on these issues. There's any number of public policy challenges around microelectronics. Certainly, the folks in the semiconductor sector have done a tremendous job of educating policymakers about the importance of chips and getting a very significant public investment, matched by private money in many cases, into the semiconductor space. Our founding members looked at that and said, we need to do the same thing. Hmm. So uh, people accuse me of knowing everybody, but it's just because I'm sort of a industry and social butterfly, but I've had John Mitchell, uh, the CEO of IPC on my podcast a couple times in the past. And then recently I met uh, Chris P- uh, Peters through um, USPAE. And so I know there's other organizations, maybe not exactly in the same, but like how, how do those pieces fit together and how does PCBAA different, different from the objectives of those other organizations? Well, that's a great question. First, I think it's important to understand that we're all rowing in the same direction. Um, We are in regular contact and partnership, really, with Chris Peters at USPEE and Chris Mitchell at IPC. And those groups have very unique mandates. Obviously, IPC is a global trade association that has a lot of equities all over the world, not just in the printed circuit board space and not just focused on reshoring where their efforts have been incredible and we've been a partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, USPAE has a very unique mandate to connect the Department of Defense specifically with microelectronics and make sure that there are parallel programs, investments being made. I think where we're unique is dedication to this idea to reshore printed circuit board manufacturing in the United States to build back the industry, the innovation, the workforce that we had two decades ago. And that yeah. really, <laughs> we, we, we rely on, we depend on. Um, I think the last two years have illustrated the risk, the very severe risk in foreign dependency on electronic systems. And so having those factories here in America, it makes sense. That's why you see the president standing in Arizona, standing in Wisconsin, standing in New York, standing in Ohio, breaking ground on semiconductor production facilities, where are those chips going to go after they're built? In many cases, they're going to be shipped overseas for advanced packaging and maybe to be made it up with a board overseas before they eventually come back or, or perhaps do not to that final product, that OEM. So, you know, we think that having more of that supply chain here in America makes sense. 
And of course, this isn't a stagnant industry, right? This is an industry mm -hmm. that is linked up very closely with innovation um, and inventing sort of the next generation of tech. When you talk about chips, which are getting more and more advanced, they have to go with more and more advanced boards. They have to be paired through more and more advanced packaging and substrates. There's a lot of innovation going on in this space. And we want that future to be invented right here in America. I don't think it's a place where we want to have foreign dependency. That's really what we're focused on. And we've got a singular message there. That's all we talk about, again, with any number of audiences in and outside of Washington. Um, and it represents the views of our growing membership. Well, and I know because I lived and breathed that whole process before China into China, and then I left. <laughs> I took my toys home and went home to raise kids for sure. a decade because, one, I thought it was a terrible idea, but I saw people losing their jobs. I saw us losing that competitive edge because at that time, we board shops could have some capital investment money where they can reinvest in their own technology. But now that it's sort of been bled away, we really do need external investment because the margins are thin, but the demands of the technology is high, higher than ever. So I love that you're doing this. And, um, you know, I, I want to ask a little bit of a devil's advocate question, but you know, since you're on the front lines, you're in DC, you're fighting the good fight. Like, what do you see this ecosystem or this situation? Obviously, that we all woke up to it because of COVID and geopolitical factors, right? Mm -hmm. So we're all scrambling to to fix the hole that was in our boat, but we were bailing it out faster than we we're taking on water. So we're good. What do you think's at stake if we don't reshore? specifically PCBs, like what does it look like in five years if we don't do that? Like what, what's at stake? We absolutely need to uh, create the demand signal that you're seeing on the semiconductor side so that folks in our industry will have a business case for capital expenditures. We'll have a business case for breaking ground. We'll have a business case for expanding their workforce. You see very clearly, Judy, that since the passage of the Chips and Science Act, an enormous amount of private money going into semiconductor capacity domestically, right? When people see a strong signal from the federal government that there's going to be support, that there's going to be investment, that there's going to be policy that advantages domestic production, private money shows up, right? Not surprisingly. I think the same thing is definitely going to be true of our industry. We do not want to see contraction below 4%. We do not want to see that 150, you know, 147 companies shrink to an even smaller number. We have to right. be able to deliver these critical technologies. It's at the heart of everything that we do in aerospace and defense, but not just that, telecommunications, banking, healthcare, critical infrastructure, PCBs are a part of all of that. If we've got a recognition amongst public policymakers that we don't want any of those systems to be insecure, that we don't want any of those systems to have a, a lengthy global supply chain that perhaps is at risk from any number of events, it makes sense to, to put it back here. Um, we've seen a lot of contraction over two decades. It does not have to continue if policymakers act now. We've got a specific bill that goes after these uh, challenges. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about that because it's got two components that I think really do help us both on the demand side and on the supply side. Okay. Well, I do want to dig into that, but I'm also thinking a little bit about our listeners here, which are sort of industry-wide because, you know, it's the ecosystem. I see the sure. same thing you see is it's, 
it's a connected ecosystem. And even though it's the double ecosystem, a lot of our listeners are electrical engineers that may be system level, maybe board level, you know, maybe fabricators. It's, it's, it's the ecosystem, right? And particularly I'm thinking about designers and why that is going to be important to them, particularly, I mean, and, and whether it's private IP or it's mill arrow, like, can you sort of just speak to electrical engineers, like maybe bring some light to, to why that's important specifically for them and how it will impact them over time? Sure. Our uh, chairman, Travis Kelly, who's the president and CEO of Isola and has led our organization for two years, makes a great point. And that is that innovation, research and design are very often co-located with production. So when we move a factory overseas, it's not just all that advanced machinery. It's not just the workforce that goes. It's the design, it's the creation, it's the innovation that's tied to the boards that we'll be using in five years and the boards that we'll be using, quite frankly, in 50 years. So for somebody who has a career in this field, maybe you're designing software, right, that runs these applications. Maybe you're designing the next generation of boards to mate with the next generation of chips. When we make investments, when we break ground, when we build capacity here in America, we're creating career opportunities in the PCB field. And I think that as we make these investments and as we see more capacity here in America, the workforce benefits are going to be manifest. They're going to be obvious. If this is a place where you want to have a career, then we need to have a secure and resilient industry here in the States. And I think <clears throat> security-wise, of course, the IP, and it's scary to me personally when I think of, because I've done a lot of work in large OEMs and the mill aerospace, and I've had deep conversations with people about the security and that people are like, oh yeah, you know, I go offshore, but it's ITAR. And I'm like, no, it's not. But there's all these hidden dynamics. And I think, I mean, one thing I think about the engineers that I know is, you know, the stuff you're building is pretty important. It might be a car or it might be an airplane or whatever. And you kind of don't want your IP muddled. You need reliability. I mean, there's a bunch of things. Let's dig into more specifically the work. Um, and let's talk about the policies and really what, um, PCBAA, I think you've said, you know, 18 months, two years you've been around. So what have you been focused on and, and what have you accomplished to date? Sure. Well, we have three key pillars, educate, advocate, and legislate on behalf of our industry. And of course, the education piece is the most important. If people don't know what PCBs are and how critical they are to modern life, Right, we're not going to we're not going to get public policies that benefit our industry. So we've spent a lot of time engaging with the media, engaging with third parties, visiting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill to hold up that green board and say, "Do you know what this is? Do you know how this makes every technology that you rely on possible? PCBs make it possible." That's a phrase that we use. In addition to chips, don't float, like and it. it's true. We really believe it. Um, in terms of advocacy, you know, there are three big pushes that we have been behind along with our industry partners at IPC and USPAE. The first, as I mentioned, is a provision of the National Defense Authorization Act, which directs commercial off-the-shelf technology to be secured by 2027. The second is asking the administration to invoke the Defense Production Act so that the DOD can buy PCBs more quickly, more directly 
in the way that we sped the acquisition of COVID emergency supplies over the last two years. Hmm. The third is a bill, the P- Supporting Printed Circuit Boards Act of 2022, H.R. 7677. It'll be reintroduced in the 118th Congress probably next month that is really focused on investing, reshoring, securing. And here's how it does that. The first aspect is a 25% tax credit for anyone who buys PCBs made in America. That helps to level the playing field. That yeah, helps to bring American-made PCBs back into a cost-competitive position. The second is a program of grants and funding from the federal government so that folks can invest in the machinery, the facilities, and the people that mm. we need to build this infrastructure. So there's a funding component, much like the Chips and Science Act, and there's a tax credit component. We're creating a demand signal that we think will make the investment case for domestic PCB manufacturing a lot easier. Well, I think by the time we publish this, it'll be around the time that the 118th Congress is convening. So you said it'll be reintroduced. What what are the challenges ahead uh, to get passage? Sure. And, you know, then there's the funding part. But can you, I know you're a Washington, D.C. guy and you know all the ins and outs. So I'll try not to take that personally. We, um, you know, we're, we're very excited for the 118th Congress, right? We're going to see, I think, a change of control in the House of Representatives. The Senate uh, will remain led by the Democrat Party. But I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a continuing focus, a sort of a post-chips focus by members of Congress. There is now, I think, a recognition that investing in making things in America, specifically high technology applications, is part of a broader global competition that the United States is involved with, with many, many nations, right? And you're not just seeing CHIPS Act here in America, right? You've seen European CHIPS Acts, you've seen Asian CHIPS Acts. Governments all over the world are starting to understand that industrial policy and national security policy are very tightly bound together. Our government realizes that And when I talk to officials at the Department of Commerce, at the Department of Defense, representatives of our elected officials on the Hill, everybody says, we know that CHIPS is not the end of the road. The $52 billion that was committed to in 2022 probably needs a few more zeros added to it in terms of the rest of the technology stack and the rest of the ecosystem that you talked about. So Mm -hmm. members know there's more to be done. Now we need to get in there along with the substrate team, along with the advanced packaging team, and we need to say, hey, this is the next part. This is the next investment. This is the next thing that we need to do to make sure that right here in America, everything we need when it comes to microelectronics is a part of our economy. Exciting. So what do you expect their trajectory? I know you can't, you don't have a crystal ball, but, um, you know, what do you see if, if everything went swimmingly well, David, um, mm-hmm. How do you expect that to to go over? You know, the next year or two. Like, well, legislative battles. Sure, sure, sure. I, you know, we we should remember that the Chips Act took more than two years from yeah. the uh, inception to the execution of that bill, yeah. and you know, there were a lot of swings. There were a lot of back and forth. There were times that I think people thought it was it was dead, and then it was resurrected again. In the end, what's really important to us is bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate, and support from the administration to recognize the importance of this bill. Of course. It is a multi-month, potentially multi-year process to take something from, you know, the the seed of an idea, um, you know, to to sort of fruit on the tree, as we say. And we think that since we have support on both sides of the aisle, since PCBs represent, you know, more than 27 states, that we're going to get a large number of co-sponsors for this legislation 
but of course it starts with education. We are going to be spending, I think, a large part of 2023 meeting with policymakers, explaining what boards do, why they're important. And when I say we, I mean representatives from the industry. I mean our member companies at PCBAA. I mean our partners from UP, uh, excuse me, uh, USPAE and IPC. We're all going to be up there on the Hill. We're all going to be talking to reporters. We're all going to be going to the White House to say, look, the fight is not finished. We are not done with making these investments, with securing policies that, quite frankly, incentivize making boards in America and buying American-made boards, right? We've got to be on both sides of that equation. So I see us in D.C. You know, every month in 2023, banging on doors, wearing out shoe leather, you know, doing our best to educate, advocate, and in the end, hopefully legislate. It's an interesting, it's an interesting time, you know, in the industry as a whole. And, um, I love the opportunity just to bring you here and to, to educate us all about it. Um, because it, you know, most of us are in our day-to-day job. We're not really paying attention, even though it really has a massive impact on that. So again, I, I gave you a scenario of everything went as intended, right? But what, you talked about just awareness and education um, and things weren't solved really with the, with the chip acts and, and how do we, to my previous point, sort of how do we educate in, into the industry, right. Sure. And, and get, maybe get more support for PCBAA. By the way, I joined. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, you're exactly right. You know, many voices uh, are going to make light work for us in terms of public policy. We are very proud of the fact that while we started with five members two years ago, we're now up over 20. We've got a role for corporate and individual members, and we've got a number of membership options. I am just pleased that from critical material suppliers to specialty manufacturers, fabricators, we are seeing the diversity of the industry represented in our membership but we need to speak with many more voices. I believe that there are hundreds of organizations out there, thousands of individuals out there that would say, yeah, I would hugely benefit myself, my organization from a tax credit, from federal investment in our industry. I see, and this is what so many of my members say to me, I see the contraction that's happened over 20 years. I don't like it. It's an existential threat to my business, to my livelihood. And they ask, you know, what can I do? We're a participatory organization. We put our people to work on Capitol Hill. We've got an annual legislative meeting every year in Washington. We're engaged every week, every month with our members saying, what's the state of the industry? What do we need to do for you? It's a dynamic group, but it's not as big as it could be or it should be. So I spend a lot of my time meeting with folks in the microelectronics space and saying, tell me about what you're doing and your concerns. And let me tell you about how PCBAA is working on your behalf in Washington. That's everybody from blue chip aerospace companies that you've heard of to really small bespoke board shops that may not have you know, the profile of an Intel or a TSMC, but they are doing critical work. If they you fall bet. out of the supply chain, we're in real trouble. So you know, we're fighting for everybody in the industry. I'd like to be able to walk into offices on the Hill. I'd like to be able to walk into the White House and say, it's not 20 companies behind me. It's 40. It's 60. It's 100 companies behind me. They represent so many billions of dollars in business, so many tens of thousands of working Americans. I think a larger team gets us across the goal line faster. Okay. So now you get to pitch, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, I talk to you and, you know, whether you mentor or not, you 
you convinced me again, because I have some of those battles. I've lived it. So I'm like, yeah, I absolutely want to personally get behind this, but also as sort of a, the, the megaphone that I have in my little piece of the industry, I certainly want to share it with you. And so, um, why should people, our listeners or their companies, or why should they advocate for the companies they work for to, to get involved and how can they do that, David? Look, I think that membership our association gives you a voice in Washington. It allows you to tell your customers, to tell your employees, to tell the leadership of your company. We are part of an effort to teach people about the importance of this technology, advocate for an investment in it, and hopefully get a real legislative outcome that will move our bottom line. We're chasing a very real ROI for all of our members. Um, I would encourage you to follow what we're doing on social media. Visit us on LinkedIn or Twitter, pcbaa.org is our website. You'll see us active in publications like iConnect and EMS Now. We're partnered with folks like Mike Buto at PCEA. We are trying to reach as many people in those spaces. So consume our content. Let us know what's good. Let us know what we need to leave behind and add your voice to the conversation. You know, Visit us online, reach out to me personally, and let's have a conversation about why being on our team makes sense. Good pitch, David. I hope you do that well in DC with your colleagues. So I really, of course, you know, um, feel very personally about the subject. I've seen the the downturn. I've lived it. I think it's been um some of it was necessary, right? As but um, you know, we don't have to have a hundred (laughs) percent. We're never going to have 100%, but like you said, let's not have any more contractions. So thanks so much for sharing um, all this information with you. I think it's really important and interesting. I'm glad to see that the three organizations we discussed, IPC and USPAE, are coming together so there's some strength in numbers. Absolutely. A team approach is going to get us across the finish line as fast as we can. And thank you, Judy. I, I think by reaching so many people and raising the awareness of these issues and doing this podcast and just getting the word out about what's going on in the industry, you're a big part of our effort. We appreciate you being a part of the PCBAA team uh, and lending us your megaphone for a few minutes here today to talk about what we're doing in Washington on behalf of the industry. It's truly my honor and privilege because I really do personally care about it, but I think it's also good for the industry. So um, for our listeners, Please, I urge you to to go um, join USPAE as an individual member, as I did just the other day, um, and to lend your time and talents if you're uh, if you're with a company or a large OEM or a small OEM or a board shop, wherever you are. I encourage you to raise the flag and definitely. If you do nothing else, um, connect with them on LinkedIn and on social media and just share their content. Um, that would be a, a great help um, that will ultimately serve you and and the wonderful microelectronics industry that we all enjoy. David, thanks so much again for joining us today. I hope you will come back after um, you have some progress and after Congress con- convened and you'll give us updates along the way. Lots to do, lots going on, and I would love to come back and discuss it. Okay. Well, thanks again to our audience. Thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed learning about PCBAA. I encourage you to go engage with them. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you like and subscribe also this podcast, and that helps me uh, spread the word about great industry 
topics like this one with David Schild of PCBAA. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember to stay connected to the ecosystem.